Can you hear me? <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Nick. Hola, Nick! Just wanted to take a few minutes to let you find folks know how you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter at the It's Too Wordy One and on Instagram. Just look for It's Too Wordy. We also have a Discord set up, The Haunted Log. If you like what you hear, maybe considering throwing us some of your spare change. Maybe some of your hard-earned loot. Maybe some stuff you find in your car cushions. Who knows? Anything will go a long way. And you can do that by visiting our Patreon page at Patreon backslash HouseBTS. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Haunted Log Old Time Radio Mystery Theater Presents I Love a Mystery. Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Tonight, I am joined by... Kirk. Ryan. And tonight we are going to listen to these episodes and we're going to discuss how we feel about them. So sit back and enjoy the show. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love a Mystery. Transcribed. telling you. The more I see of this setup, the more I wish we'd gone on about our own business. Jock, that isn't like you. What ain't like me? Why, here we are guests in a millionaire's home with three beautiful girls and only their grandmother to watch over them. And what a grandma. Boy, I don't like her. (laughs) Doc's had it in for Grandma Martin since she sent us back up here to our quarters right after dinner. Yeah, what'd she do that for? She think you're the only one in our outfit good enough to associate with the Martin family? I can tell you why. Well, I wish you would. She said she wanted me to have a serious discussion with her granddaughters, and if there were too many eligible young men in the room, the girls wouldn't think of anything else. Did she really say that, Jack? She did. And when I said man crazy, she jumped all over me. Well, these just plain ain't the kind of girls that I want to associate with. Not from what I've seen of them. She ain't got nothing to worry from me. Well, they have money. And so have we. 25000 bucks reward money. And what I want to know is why we don't ditch this joint and get to spending it. That'll have to wait. Yeah, on what? On the solution of the trouble that's breaking about this old grandmother's head. Well, that ain't our hard luck. I'm afraid it is. Now. Why? Because Mrs. Martin's begged us to stay and help her out. I say, that haughty, stiff-necked female aristocrat begged you to stay here? That's right. So you can see how desperate she must be. But what's the matter? What are we supposed to do? None of it makes much sense yet, but I've got some tangled information. You want to hear it? Naturally. Throw me that other pillow, Reggie. I don't. Yeah. Thanks. Well, come on. Settle down and let's have it. All right. Let me give you a picture of the people in this house. Oh, you've seen them all now. No, I've only seen Grandmother Martin and two of the girls, Faye and Cherry. Faye described the others. First, Faye, or Faith, is the eldest. She describes herself as the Bulgarian of the family. Oh, I say. The the what? Bulgarian. She shocks her Puritan grandmother every time she opens her lips. On the other hand, I have a good idea that she has more gray matter than all the rest of the family put together. Mm, Good looking? Yes, apparently all the Martin girls are extraordinarily beautiful. Well, that's Faye, the Bulgarian. The next girl is Hope. Hope wasn't in on the conference tonight, although she'd been told to be there by her grandmother. Yeah, where was she? Sneaked out with the chauffeur. Hey, I say, one of the Martin girls? Yes, according to Faye, this will be the fourth chauffeur to lose his job in three months on account of Hope. Faye's name for Hope is the 
family wench. Well, no wonder Grandmother Martin is upset. Fay the Vulgarian, hope the family wench. And now we come to Cherry. Quite. And uh, what is Cherry? Well, Fay calls her Cherry the Terrified Mouse. Hey, that ain't so bad. She ain't spoke above a whisper since we come into the house. Uh, are they still after her? Well, there's no doubt that she has an obsession that someone's after her. But it looks like with good reason. But you you, uh, you mean you think somebody in this house really is trying to kill her? Well, I don't know whether they're trying to kill her, but they certainly are keeping her in a continual sweat of terror. In what way, Jack? First, slashing her arm. Second, pushing her down that flight of stairs. Well, Grandma didn't take that very serious. Neither did Faye at first. When she heard it, she said, Oh, so the terrified mouse fell downstairs again. Again? Yes, looks like it was a common occurrence. But then I put in my two cents worth and scared the living daylights out of both Faye and Grandma. Well, what'd you want to scare them for? I didn't mean to. It wasn't until after I'd said it and saw their reaction that I knew it meant anything. Well, come on. Uh, what did you say? I said I heard a baby crying just before Cherry fell downstairs. Who does it belong to? Well, what's so terrifying about that? Whose infant is it, Jack? And uh, where's the nursery? There isn't any nursery. And there isn't any baby. Why, Dad busted, Jack, there is too. We heard it. There isn't any baby in this house. You're, you're being serious? I mean to say, we did hear it. Cherry's been hearing it for some time now. She says every time the baby cries, something terrifying happens. You mean a baby's haunting this house? I don't mean anything of the kind. Then what do you mean? I don't know. I'm just stating what I've heard. Cherry's been complaining of hearing a baby crying in the house and that every time she hears it, something vicious happens. The rest of the family have bladed to delusions. Oh, but see here, Jack, what we heard was no delusion. That's just the point. That's what frightened Faye and Grandma. The fact that we heard the baby proves that Cherry hasn't been talking through her hat. Doggone. Who ever heard of a house being haunted by a baby? Rubbish. Well, there it is, ain't it? A baby's voice and no baby. It's a plot. A plot, huh? Well, didn't Jack just get through saying that the kid cried just before something bad happened? Mm, that's what that girl Cherry says. And what she says is true on account, looky. We heard the baby cry, and then right after that she was pushed downstairs. Quiet, I grant you that. Well, okay. Y you mean to tell me whoever's doing all this is running around this house with a baby in his arms, uh, pinching it to make it cry just before he gets ready to, to do some of his dirty work? Well, that's pretty silly, Doc. Well, of course it's silly. That's just what I'm saying. Besides, there ain't no baby in the house. So what? So it's got to be a baby ghost. Oh, for the love of Peter. Well, it has, Dad. Blast it. A baby ghost in this house on account of there's so much trouble and so many things is wrong. And every time that something else starts to go wrong, it, it it tries to warn folks by crying just before it happens. Beautiful theory. Well, you think of a better one. Why? Okay, okay. The trouble with you and Reggie is that you wouldn't know a ghost if it come up and... And, and laid and... an egg in my hat? <laughs> That's just plain vulgar. Why? Because ghosts don't lay eggs. Oh. Well, they don't. Oh, I don't right. Now, do you want to hear the rest of my story? Well, what about this baby cry? That's all there is. You know as much about it as I do. And that also brings us up to date on Cherry. Oh, Cherry, the uh, terrified mouse. Hope, the family wench. And Faye, the Bulgarian. And the last on our list is Joel. Mm. Oh, that's brother, huh? Yes, in age he comes between Faye and Hope. According to Faye, he's the one who's breaking Grandmother Martin's heart. Mm. And uh, has Faye a name for him, too? Yes, Joel, the good-natured drunk. Drunk, huh? And what does Grandmother Martin say about that? She tried to keep his name out of the conversation, said he was the only one worthy of the family name. Faye, on the other hand, says he's never sober and has been taken by every crook and confidence man in Hollywood. Just a never-end and easy mark, huh? Looks like it. And Grandma's always paying out and covering up for him, for the good of the name of Martin. Oh. When are we going to meet him? I don't know. When he comes home, I suppose. Well, where is he now? I tried to find out. No one seemed to know. Faye suggested some night spot with a well-stocked bar. Oh, I say, nice boy. Ah, company. Sit still. Listen. What's the matter, Jack? Nothing. Just wait. 
I say. Whimsy. I get it. Hello. Why, you little witch. Oh, you've been talking to Faye. Reggie, toss me a blanket. What's that? A blanket, a blanket. <laughs> Not a wet blanket, I hope. No, just toss it. There, I'll put this around you. You don't like me this way. No. They cost a lot of money. It's the best shop. Okay, so they cost a lot of money. Now, come on in. Why didn't you like them? Handmade and imported French lace. Now, keep that blanket around your shoulder. Here, sit down. What's it, Amy? <laughs> I almost sat on the floor. Drunk again. Don't tell Grandma. I never had a drink in my life. Oh, it's queer. No smell of liquor on her breath. She's as sober as we are. I say, Jack, who is this? Who am I? Yes. No, no, wait. I'll give you a clue. I'm not Faith and I'm not Charity. Now, who am I? Your hope. That's right. Why'd you knock on our door if you don't know who we are? I saw a light. Thought I ought to investigate. In long black stockings and a wisp of lace? Imported French lace. Where have you been? No, no, no. Mustn't tell. Scandalous. Ruin the family name. Out with the chauffeur, won't you? Shh, don't let Grandma hear. Come on, now you're not drunk. Where's your dress? <laughs> I said, where's your dress? What dress? Look here, Hope. You want me to shake your shoes off? Where did you leave your dress? You didn't want me to wear a dress with blood on it, did you? Hey, what did you say? Of course not. Nobody wants to wear a dress with blood on it. It's ugly. Doesn't match the color scheme. Hope, listen to me. What kind of a dress were you wearing? Slip-on, slip-off dress. I always wear slip-on, slip-off dress. I mean, what was the material? What color? Green. My favorite color. Green flowers. Now then, where'd you leave it? Slipped out of it in the dark downstairs. Tossed it to Bob. Bob's a good egg. He'll get rid of it. Nobody ever find it. Who's Bob? Best chauffeur Martin family ever had. Is he home? Did he bring you home? Yep. Bang, bang. Man shot dead right across our table. I got blood on my dress, so Bob says, Quick, let's get the ten-letter word out of here. <laughs> I always say ten-letter word for swearing. Doc, Reggie, I want you to go down and find the chauffeur. I don't. Bring him here? If you'll come, anyway, get Hope's dress back. A Jack? Yeah. Look, look at her right leg. Hmm? There's something on her stocking. Looks like blood, all right. There is. Here, keep that blanket on. <laughs> Unfasten your stocking. Let her slip down. Oh, naughty. Crazy little fool. There's been murder. Do you want the evidence splattered all over you? Yeah, that's better. Well, what are you two standing there for? Well, if, if Hope could tell us where the chauffeur's quarters are. Chauffeur's quarters? Over garage. Chauffeur's quarters? Always over garage. I know. Come on, Doc. Yeah, okay. Hey, hey, what's that? Listen. The baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. Stop that. Jack, there's just got to be a baby in this house. <coughs> Jack, I say. Which way did that scream come from? Down the stairs. Down the stairs. Well, come on. The baby, and, and then something happens. Down the stairs, this way. The baby, and then something happens. The baby. Stop and then saying that, Doc. Oh, there she is. There in the chair. I say, who is she? This is Faye. Faye. Faye, what's the matter? Uh, up there by the hall entrance. He's dead. He's dead. Dead? Who's dead? The chauffeur. The chauffeur. And he's got Hope's dress. All over with blood. <laughs>
transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. Broadcasting System presents I Love a Mystery, transcribed. People are so dead when they're dead, aren't they? Not a very suitable sentiment for the occasion. No, no, don't touch anything. <laughs> hey, who is the Bulgarian Martin, they call? What are you doing? I'm trying to discover if there are any clues in the vicinity of this corpse that might implicate any member of the Martin family. You want to implicate one of us? No, but I want to know what we're up against before the police arrive. Why not the Marines and the Navy? The police have to be called, you know that. Why? You can't ask sensible questions, don't ask any. Whoever shot this man must have used a silencer. Otherwise, we'd have heard the shot. Mm, a good-natured drunk has a gun with a silencer. Your brother, Joe? Mm-hmm. And I still want to know why we have to call the police. Murder's the policeman's business. Not this murder. This is the Martin family's own private little bloodletting party. You think someone in this house committed the crime? Naturally. Who? First, tell me where you sent your two friends. Doc and Reggie? Mm-hmm. Ten minutes after we find the corpse with the curly hair here, they go kiting out of the house like men on a mission. The question is, where? Why? They're out scouring the nightclubs and drinking places for your brother. <laughs> Job isn't worth it. Worth what? The trouble you're taking to find him. I want to know where he is and what he's been doing tonight. I want witnesses who will swear that he hasn't been near this house all evening. Why? So that we'll be all set for the police when they start asking questions. When are the police going to start asking questions? As soon as they get here. When will they be here? As soon as I call them. And when are you going to call them? When I'm satisfied I know as much about this situation here as they'll be able to find out. Aren't you obstructing justice or something? I mean, waiting about notifying them? Maybe. Now then, why do you think this man was killed by someone in the house? Because almost everyone in the house had a reason. Everyone had a reason to want to kill the chauffeur? Was he that important to this house? I hope to tell you. Bob the chauffeur, now Bob the corpse, was putting the screws on the Martins. In what way? Well, let's start at the top of the list and work down. First, Grandma. Blackmail to hush scandal concerning Job and Hope. What sort of scandal? Job and a girl. <laughs> Job hates girls, so I know it was a frame, but it was good enough to make headlines in the paper. Well, what about Hope? Hope can't let chauffeurs alone. Hope, the family wench, was so deeply involved with our new cadaver here that one word from him and the whole world would know what she is. By the way, right this minute, Hope is upstairs asleep in my room. Oh, a gentleman wouldn't tell. No, don't be a fool. <laughs> we left her in our room and we heard you scream and rush downstairs. Went up a few minutes ago, she'd crawled into my bed and was fast asleep. Maybe you'd like to explain to her elder sister what she was doing in your room in the first place. She knocked on the door. I opened it and there she stood in a wisp of lace and a pair of black silk stockings. You... You mean the dress this this thing was holding in its hands when I found it down here was the dress Hope had been wearing this evening? That's right. Well, that's pretty raw. Oh, not as bad as it sounds. They were out together. Wherever they were, a man was killed and blood got on Hope's dress. When she got home, she gave the dress to the chauffeur to ditch. Oh? Well, then... Then he must have been killed as he was going out the front door with a dress. Exactly. From the outside. Yes, he was shot from outside the house. Then that eliminates Hope. Why? 
<laughs> as fra- flagrant as Hope is, she wouldn't be running about the streets with no dress on. And uh, you said our hero had the dress in his hands when he was killed. Well, that's a pretty thin alibi. She didn't mind coming up and rapping on my door. Besides, she was floating about on pink clouds. Oh, you're crazy. I don't think so. I tell you, you are. Hope hates alcohol. It makes her violently ill. I didn't say she was drunk. She wasn't. No sign of alcohol. But something had given her a fine case of the blind staggers. Something screwy. You you think Hope did this, then? I know she didn't. She was in my room for about 20 minutes, and uh, what's him calling here? Hadn't been dead five minutes, and we got down to him. Then Hope's in the clear? Yes. Wish I could say as much about the rest of the family. You haven't anything on me. I haven't. But the police may have, or can they get it? What do you mean? Simply, if you've got anything up your sleeve, you'd better spill it, so I'll be standing by to give a hand. The police are going to find out everything you wish they wouldn't. So you tell me first, so I can be ready for them. What have you got to gain by all this Boy Scout stuff? I told your grandmother we'd help her out of a mess. This, apparently, is the mess she meant, so talk fast. Well, if I was the murdering kind, Curry Loxia would be my first victim. Why? He talks. And he talks lies. It came to my ears that he had passed the word around among the servants of the neighborhood that the Martin women were pushovers. Is that excuse for murder? Servants don't talk about me like that. Not even if it were true, they don't. But you fire servants, not murder them. Not if the servant has a death hold on the family and you can't get loose. You're referring to his hold on Job and Hope? Mm Mm-hmm. He had nothing on you personally? No. Uh Uh-huh. Now then, where were you during the time of the murder? (laughs) I don't know when the murder was. All right, all right. Where were you 15 or 20 minutes before you found the body? I was down in the furnace room. At this time of night? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Burning some personal letters. Go on. That's all. Just burning some personal letters. You think you can tell the police you were down in the basement at 9 o'clock at night burning personal letters and stop there? If that's all there is. Oh, you're smarter than that. What did those letters have to do with the chauffeur and his sudden demise? What? Why, nothing. You're not making a very good representation for yourself. I'm not trying to. I'm just telling the truth. But not all the truth. Enough. Very well, you were down burning letters. Then what? I was just coming back up to the main floor when I... When I heard a baby laughing and cooing. Oh, you heard the baby. Yes, what does it mean? Your sister Cherry says every time the baby is heard in this house, tragedy occurs. She certainly hit it on the nose this time. Yes, didn't she? By the way, doesn't it seem a little strange to you that with your screaming when you found the body and all the running about the house that's been done since then, your grandmother and Cherry haven't been aroused? Grandmother and Cherry's rooms are on the third floor. They couldn't hear? No. Well, don't you think your grandmother ought to be told before I call the police? I... Don't know. I think she shouldn't. Why? Well, after all, she's head of this house. She should have some say as to what the police are told. There's going to be an awful scene when she finds out. Nevertheless. Now, look, I'm almost finished here. Go up and get her and bring her down. Also, while you're up there, get Hope out of my room and take her to her room. But you haven't asked me about Cherry yet. Well, what about Cherry? I, I mean, whether she might have a reason for, for killing the family leech. Well, has she? No. Great. Now, will you go? And Joe. I know all about Joe, but I need to know for now. Oh, wait, there is one thing about Joe. You say he has a gun with a silencer? Mm Mm-hmm. You know where he keeps it? Yes, in his bureau drawer. While you're upstairs, look and see if it's there. Yes, if if you think I don't think anything. Now, go on. There's something I've got to do, and I don't want you here when I do it. You you mean Hope's dress? Never mind. What? What are you going to do with it? I didn't say I was going to do anything with it. But you are. Well, what you don't know, you can't tell. Now, go do the things I've told you to. All right, but hurry. Grandma will be down here two steps at a time the minute she hears. Oh, the furnace is a swell place for Hope's dress. I think they call it destruction of evidence. Sorry, old boy, but I need this dress more than you do. Didn't I tell you? What? Oh, it's you. I'm Jerry. 
Don't you remember me? Why aren't you in bed? They're in my room. Who's in your room? They. Look what they did to me. What do you mean? On my shoulder. Right through my pajamas. Well, you're bleeding. I know it. You mean someone came in your room and slashed you? Yes. Here, let me see. Uh-huh. Exactly like the cut on your arm. Sometimes they'll get tired of frightening me. And then they'll kill me. Didn't I tell you? Didn't you tell me what? That every time the baby cries, something dreadful happens. The baby didn't cry. It laughed. I know. That's because one of our enemies was killed. What do you mean? When it's an enemy, the baby laughs. When one of us is in danger, he cries. You're getting just a little wacky on the subject of babies, aren't you? No, it's true. You wait and see. Now, look, Jerry, you go up to my room and wait for me. I'm busy. As soon as I've finished, I'll come up and put a dressing on that cut. I hope the baby doesn't cry anymore tonight. I can't sleep when he cries. If you don't get... Wait, wait a minute. Someone's out on the porch. Why don't you close the door? The body's right in the door. Can't move it until the police come. Hold it. Um, pardon me? <laughs> My error. I thought this is where I lived. It's Job. Inexcusable. Man must be pretty spiffocated when he walks in the morgue and thinks he's home. This is your home, Job. It is? Yes. Oh. What's this cadaver doing blocking up my doorway? He was just killed there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Thought it was a corpse trying to escape from the morgue. Shall I step over him? If you want to come in, I'm afraid you'll have to. Yeah, give me a hand. I'll help you over. Oh. Nice apartment. <laughs> I think I'm going to like you. There you are. Easy step. <laughs> Not a very wide man. By the way, who are you? Name's Jack Packard. Are you by any chance the murderer? I'm afraid not. <laughs> That's good. Nice chap. Hanging's too good for you. Much too good. You think so, huh? Oh, I'm afraid I put it badly. But you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. Hello, Jerry. Hello. Friend of yours? No. Oh, thought maybe he was. Pajamas are such awfully bad taste in the company of a strange man. I'm scared. Poor little terrified mouse. By the way, would it be breach of etiquette for me to ask the name of the visiting corpse? He's your chauffeur. Ah, Bob the Bandit. Well, you seem pleased. Oh, frightfully. Who had the good sense to do it? We thought maybe it was you. That's a tribute. Great tribute. Should have. I never got around to it. A gun with a silencer was used. Considerate murder. No noise. Don't disturb the neighbors. I understand you have such a gun. <laughs> oh, so I have. So I have. Where is it now? Upstairs in my bureau drawer. I hope you're telling the truth, Job. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I am, too. <laughs> transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, 
and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love a Mystery, transcribed. a few lights, Mrs. Martin. Nobody calls me Mrs. I don't like it. What then? If Randolph Martin isn't good enough for you, call me Grandmother. Everyone else does. Very well. Grandmother Randolph, let's have some lights. Why? Unhealthy ideas grow in darkness. Unhealthy ideas? Murder's an unhealthy idea. What are you talking about? Murder's not in this house. You should know better than that. You saw one of its victims carried out of here last night. You and the rest of your family spent most of the night explaining your whereabouts to the police. Such a fuss over a chauffeur. Not a very good chauffeur at that. I won't argue that. Furthermore, the police had their gall suspecting that anyone in this house had anything to do with it. On the other hand, it's surprising to me they didn't take the whole family down and lock you up. What are you saying? Mrs. Ma- Grandmother Randolph, you brought my two companions and me here to get your grandchildren out of some kind of a mess. Isn't that true? Yes. You haven't given us the first inkling of what that mess is. If I knew, do you think I'd call for outside help? Well, it should be plain even to you that the murder of the family chauffeur is part of that mess. Nonsense. The police themselves said that he wasn't really a chauffeur, but a member of a confidence ring working here in the motion picture colony. Nevertheless, he was killed in your house while in your employ. By members of a rival gang. Do you know what your chauffeur was doing last night before he came home and got himself shot? No. Yes, you do. If you know that, why do you ask me? You know that he was out with your granddaughter, Hope, and that he was killed less than ten minutes after Hope said goodnight to him when they returned. The police don't know that. No. Neither do they know that your chauffeur killed a man in a drinking joint out at the beach last night. What's that? That he killed the man in the presence of Hope, and that the man fell across their table and bled on Hope's dress. That she gave the dress to the chauffeur to get rid of, and that he still had the dress in his hand when he was shot dead in your front door. How, how do you know this, if the police don't? I've had Doc and Reggie out investigating all night. They just got in half an hour ago. They're up getting some sleep now. But, but why don't the police know? Because the resort where your chauffeur killed his man was a hideout spot for shady characters. Now, don't worry. They'll find out in due time. My granddaughter, Hope, was in a hideout for criminals? Yes. I want to ask her about that myself. Who, who was the man he killed? Now, you can read all about that in the paper. Some gambler. They found his body in one of the canyons out on the way up to Malibu Beach. And and shortly after he killed this gambler at this place, my chauffeur himself was killed in my doorway. That's right. Then doesn't that prove it was somebody outside, someone revenging himself on the death of the gambler? There's that possibility, of course. You seem very anxious to connect this murder with my family, Mr. Packard. No, I hope you're right. But there are too many suspicious things going on in this house. The center of all the trouble is right here. I'm sure of that. I've noticed nothing suspicious. That's not true. Just got through saying the reason you brought Doc and Reggie and me here was because you were uneasy. What have you noticed? Well, first, your eldest granddaughter, Faye. She talks loud and vulgar and pretends to be vastly amused. But she's frightened. Faye? Frightened? Last night, she took some private papers down to the basement and burned them. Why? I don't know. Neither do I, but I intend to find out. Then, Hope. Why did she go to that beach resort last night? Why did she pretend to be drunk when she came home when she was perfectly sober? 
I don't know. And Cherry, she's been slashed twice and pushed downstairs by someone she's never seen. Why does she talk in that frightened whisper? Who does she mean when she says they are after her? And what does she mean that Hope and her brother Job are in the worst danger? You can leave Cherry out of this. It's a lot of romantic nonsense. Twice slashed and thrown downstairs? You call that romantic nonsense? And the baby. There isn't any baby. I beg your pardon. I've heard it twice now. There isn't any baby, I tell you. Once it cried, and right after that, Cherry was hurled downstairs. Once it laughed and gurgled, and we found the chauffeur shot dead. It's ridiculous on the face of it. Babies don't laugh and cry on a given cue. How would a baby know that Cherry was about to fall downstairs? How would a baby know that my chauffeur was about to be murdered? Cherry says the baby cries when someone in the house is in danger. That it laughs when some enemy of the house is in danger. Cherry's a little fool. Protestations don't change facts. Facts indicate that something pretty vicious, something cold and calculating and terribly cruel has been unleashed in this house. You're trying to frighten me. No, I'm not. I'm reporting to you as my employer what I've found. And now let's discuss your grandson, Job, for a moment. Indeed we will not. Yes, we will. Because Job owns a gun with a silencer on it. And it was a gun with a silencer that killed the chauffeur. Job wasn't even home. So he says. But the guns disappeared and the chauffeur was killed with the same caliber gun as the one Job possessed. The police don't know? No, the police don't know this. But I do. And I also know that when Job came home and saw the body in the doorway, he was pretty casual about it. He he wasn't feeling well. He was intoxicated, I grant you. But even so, he should have been a little surprised and concerned at finding a body lying across the threshold, which he wasn't. I forbid you to talk like that. You can't do that. I can't forbid you to talk? No. But I can most certainly remove you from this house. But you won't. Why not? Because then I'll be forced to turn over all my information to the police. You wouldn't dare. Yes, I would. If we're kept on to solve the murder in our own way, we'll try to protect you in your grandchildren's names. If you make it impossible for us to work on the case, then we'll have to let the police do it. I don't trust you. That depends on what you mean by trust. If no one in this house has committed murder, then we'll cover up for you till the cows come home. If... if it should have been someone here... Then we'll root him out and turn him over to justice. I know it. You can't be trusted. Look here. Are you trying to tell me that you think someone in this house committed murder and you brought us here to help you cover up for them? No. No, of course not. It sounds very much like it. No, all I'm asking you is to be sure. No circumstantial evidence such as the police would use. I'm sure none of my grandchildren has done anything wrong, no matter how much it looks it. Oh, that's it. You want them protected from court action and publicity until we've cleared them or proved them guilty? Yes. If they are innocent, and I know they are, to face a charge of murder would ruin us. You have my word. No one will touch them until we know for sure. Thank you. Now then, I've got to talk to Hope and Job. Are they in their rooms? Yes, it was five o'clock this morning before the police left. They're all sleeping. Well, they should be awake by this time. I'm going up. Listen. It's a baby crying. Now maybe you'll believe. But there isn't any baby. Wait a minute. That's the warning. Someone's in danger. Quick, upstairs to the bedroom. Jack! Jack, did you hear that? The, the, the baby. I know it. Come on, Doc. Help me. Look in all the bedrooms. You bet. Whose room's this? That's Faye's room. Don't bother to knock. Hey, what's the idea? Can't a girl go to bed in this house? Nope, she's all right. What's the idea of raiding a girl's bedroom? A baby, someone's in danger. The baby. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Hey, wait for me. Uh, this is Joe's room. Doc, run up the third floor and look in Sherry's room. You bet you, on the run. Yeah. Well, this is my old friend from the morgue. No, so you're up and dressed. You all right? It never better in my life. Have a little drink. Aren't you ever sober? Didn't you hear that baby crying? Ah, I dreamed about a baby last night. Red hair. She was in a French bikini bathing oh, suit. Oh, nuts. And... Is Job all right, is he? Drunk. Which is Hope's room? Th- this way. This this way. It's either got to be Hope or Cherry. This room. I... What's that smell? Chloroform. Get those windows open. Look. Look, the pillow's over Hope's face. Get that window open. Do you hear me? Uh, yes, yes. Is she dead? Is she dead? No, she's alive. But 
She looks so white. Get out of the way. I'm going to lift her out of bed and take her over that window. What shall I do? Just get out of the way. There. What is it? What's the matter with Hope? Somebody tried to kill her with chloroform. Faith, haven't you an ounce of modesty? Go get something over that nightgown. But, Grandma, they tried to kill Hope. Get something on over that nightgown. Oh, horse feathers. Here, put this blanket around before I smack you. Apparently, my modesty is more important than Hope's life. Now then, Mr. Packard. Forget it. She's going to be all right. What's this nonsense about chloroform? You use your nose. Another 15 minutes, you'd have been minus one granddaughter. Here, put this blanket around Hope. What's the matter with you? Your granddaughter near death, and all you can think about is my seeing her in pajamas. I'll keep my granddaughter's modest if this house falls down around my ears. Greetings and salutations, Grandma. Oh, girl. Joe, go back to your room. What? Mr. Fun. Joe, you're in no condition to be here. Go back to your room. <laughs> What's this? Love in our midst. The man from the morgue holding the family wench in his arms. Huh? Joe, you're impossible. <laughs> Hope is almost chloroformed. She's unconscious. Oh, no, not Hope. She's only playing dead. She likes it. Get that drunken fool out of here. <laughs> Please, Joe, come with me. <laughs> Poor, pathetic old grandma. Have a lot of trouble with your family of rats, don't you, Job? Be a good boy. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, man from the morgue. Great old house we live in, isn't it, Grandma? The Martin family at home. Doesn't your brother like Hope? He adores her. She's his favorite sister. <laughs> Funny way of showing it. Nothing... Nothing gets under his skin when he's in that condition. It seems to be all the time. Look, how, how, how is she? Better than I hoped for. It'll take her a couple, three hours to sleep off the effects of the chloroform. Now we can put her back in bed now. Uh, one of her feet is bare, so look the other way. <laughs> Your grandmother's a little touched on the subject of modesty, isn't she? I think she must bathe in long underwear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll just cover her like that. Right. Jack! Jack, look what I got. Poor little fella. But, Jerry, what's the matter with her? She's unconscious. This is just like I found her. Now lay her down. Let me see her. <clears throat> look at her. Those dog on near tore off her. Oh, look, look at that bruise on her leg. Uh, here, she's bleeding on the back. Turn her over. Yeah, I know it. There. Oh, what happened? What happened? Hey, Jack, look. She's been slashed again. Yes, three times, right above the hip. Not deep. Like it had been done with a safety razor blade. You Martin girls are certainly unpopular with somebody. Ain't it the truth? Murder sure is on the loose in this man's house. transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. I Love a Mystery, written and directed by Carlton E. Morse, comes to you Monday through Friday, featuring Russell Thorson as Jack, Jim Bowles as Doc Long, and Tony Randall as Reggie York. Frank McCarthy speaking. Listeners, I'd like you to hear a letter from a four-year-old girl. The little girl is a French youngster. And I can tell you that our writer and producer, Carlton E. Morse, knows that it comes from the heart. Perhaps you'd like to tell us why you know Mr. Morse. All right, Mr. Thorson. But I'd like first for Mr. Randall to read the letter just as it was written. How about it, Tony? All right. Dear Papa, I want all the children to be happy for Christmas as I am. Will you please help me get presents for them? Your little Jacqueline. 
That letter is from Jacqueline Complay, my French foster child. It was after becoming a foster parent that I realized the lack of any happiness and hope, which is the heritage of a million war children over there. Please listen while Mr. Thorson tells you what you can do to give these little ones a real Christmas this year. Listeners, start right away to gather toys and discarded but serviceable articles of children's clothing. Then here's what's next. Place them in a carton or wrap in heavy paper. Tie them securely with strong twine. Address them to Foster Parents Plan for War Children Warehouse. 530 47th Avenue, Long Island City, New York. That's 530 47th Avenue, Long Island City, New York. Take them to the Railway Express office nearest you. There will be no cost to you for shipping. Remember to do it now. And remember that you, too, can be a Santa Claus for all of God's children. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. All right, guys. Ryan's back. Yay! Yay! And he missed last week, and I know he was really excited to start talking about this show. So, Ryan, how did you feel about 4, 5, and 6? I love this show. I think you relayed my message last week. This is what Fantastic Four should have been. Yes, um, it should have been. I'm not into the old-time radio listening. My experience of it was always the Christmas story, Little Orphan Annie, uh, Dakota Ring, Fiasco, Drink More Ovaltine thing. And I'm like, yeah, I have no desire to ever listen to any kind of show on the radio like that. And Nick goes, hey, check this out. This is amazing. I love this. I like their, how short they are. It took me a minute to realize that I wasn't missing something when you go to the next episode because they kind of pick up and they leave some space of what actually happened. And they do it in such a way that you don't even know that they're doing a recap. Yeah. yeah. You, you figure it out real quick what, what happened in the previous episode, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I had to listen to one episode twice because I'm like, I know I missed something. What happened here? Wait. Oh, oh okay. Got it. I don't have to listen to it. Uh, they've defined the characters really well with this particular, the thing that cries in the night, right? Yep. With this particular one, I like the, the girls' names. I love it. Faith, Faith hope, hope, and charity. charity. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. We got to meet Hope this week, didn't we? Yes. Yep. And I was thinking about this, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, so Faith goes by Faye. Charity goes by Cherry. Does Hope go by Ho? That's what I was thinking. So, so, so Hope is like the 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 wild loose girl. She's right? the she's the wench. So does she go by Ho? <laughs> but just to her friends, right. One of your friends can call her Ho. And the names Faith has for all of them are amazing. I'm loving it. The wench, yes, and uh, the uh, quiet dormouse, quiet mouse, the quiet scared mouse. Yes, yeah. quiet scared yeah. mouse. Always. Yeah, I know. This show is just unbelievably entertaining. And you can't, I mean, I'm usually good at figuring out mysteries. I love watching mystery movies. And with this, I, you're not sure which way it's going. And they do such a good job of leaving each episode as a, a cliffhanger. I think they even nailed the drunk brother really well. Okay, yeah. that's what I had a question on. Is it a woman playing Job? No. Because sometimes it comes across as the girl who's playing Faith. He kind of sounds like her in certain parts when I was listening to it. I'm like, is that a is that the woman playing Faith? And Teresa's like, I can't tell because we were listening to it in the car, and she's like, it might be, mm-hmm. but it might not. And then he sounds normal, like a like a man. And then he has that 
drunk slooper. Stupor. When he's drunk, he sounds yeah. like Faith. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was just, that was my question. You know, and uh, what's the main character's name? Jack. Jack. And he's got the two sidekicks, Tex and... Reggie. Reggie, Reggie and Doc. Reggie and Doc, okay. Yeah. yeah, and I like how their involvement is there, but they are just side characters. There's not a lot of involvement with them. They're just there when they need to be. Because you'll listen to some episodes and they're just not there at all. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I was telling Nick, I love how Jack just is flippant to Grandma Rand- Randolph or whatever her name is. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't care. Fire me. I don't give a shit. I'll leave. I'll leave. I don't care. Yeah, I don't need to talk. You talk to like that. I don't need to stay here. <laughs> yeah, th- this is amazing. I hope, uh, no pun intended there, that we find there's other things out there that are similar to this. Because this is just, I got so excited listening to this. I'm like, oh, it's just another radio program. I started listening to it. I couldn't stop listening. Well, then, then we can, do you want to keep going? We can do the next I would couple love series. To. I, okay. I love the characters. Um, I'm curious to see who the next group is besides Reggie, Doc, and yeah. Jack. You know, no, that's Reggie, Jack, and right. But they, I mean, who? Oh, who, who they are go, they interacting yeah. with in the next? Because I think the characters they got for this one are just fantastic. Yeah, Jerry's voice drives me nuts just a little bit. What do you mean? It, just, it uh, slashed me. They're in my room. What do you mean? Oh my god! But yeah, uh, that can I can yeah that that started grating on me too. I'm like, does she really talk like this the whole time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, but you know this these episodes we ran into. Uh, Hope finally shows up, mm-hmm. and they push the envelope with sexuality right there. Yes, where they she did. shows up in lingerie. Yeah, I and stockings. And, and, yep. It's French lace. French lace. Ooh, it's ooh, expensive. Da, da. It ooh, comes da, from da. France. Ooh, da, da. And she pretends to be drunk, mm-hmm. but she's not drunk. They'll get to that. They'll get to it. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm trying to do a slow burn thing here where I don't just go home and listen to every single episode. And you find out the reason why she's naked is because her dress is all covered in blood. Yep. Yeah. And then you think it's from one thing and it's from um, another. Faye finds it and she freaks out. Yeah. Like she screams. And they all run down there, and she's holding this bloody dress. Then uh, there's that cool like intera- interaction between her and Jack, and he's like, "I need to find out. You know, I'm going to find out who's the reason for the bloody dress. And if it if it indicates a family member, then I have to go to the police." Yeah, yeah. But I liked how he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to call the police until after I know more than they do." <laughs> and then he goes downstairs and burns it. Yeah. Well, that's the indication, right? Uh, that he went down to the basement yeah. to burn it, but. You know, Faith's hiding a secret and Hope's just a dingbat, it seems like, from or these episodes. She? And, you know, Grandma's just a mean old battle axe. And I think the Grandma's the one who did the murdering. Job does have a gun with a silencer on it. Yep. I thought I was at the right house. Right. <laughs> I, I was at the morgue. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that played him, fantastic. I mean, they nailed these characters just perfectly in, to make you picture this vividly in your head as you're listening to it just when he's like who's the corpse yeah <laughs> yep well this is your show for oh okay he's a very conscious killer don't want to wake the family <laughs> <laughs> now yeah 
that that was the one thing that Faith makes that makes that comment where she's like, "Yeah, I'll go tell Grandma, and she'll be down here as soon as she hears about this murder." She screamed. Mm-hmm. Grandma's on the third she's floor. She's on the third floor, and everybody else is on the. Her and Charity, Charity are on the Charity third floor. On the third mm-hmm. floor. Everybody else is on the second floor. Correct. And if Faith screamed as loud as she screamed, and what I'm picturing is there's this stairwell that goes up all three floors that I can't imagine Grandma not hearing that. Is the room soundproof? And coming down. She's old. She is old. She's old. She's, yeah, but she seems very aware of what's going on at all times. Because when Jack mentions that he heard the baby, that, you know, everybody's like, oh, you did, kind of thing. But you kind of got that feeling that they might have heard it too, but nobody wanted to admit it Mm -hmm. because there's no baby. Charity was being attacked by aliens, too, you gotta remember. Oh my god, I got cut on the shoulder. But the, I, it is a fantastic whodunit. They drop so many hints, like, all the different suspects. Yeah. Like, could it be the gang that the chauffeur was running with? Yeah. Could he be? Could they be involved? Could it be Job with his gun? Could it be Faye with her, you know, trying to piss off Grandma? Could she just be trying to make Grandma go crazy? She. I as soon as the third episode was over, and I was like, I turned it off, and I'm like, I told Teresa, I'm like, I love this show. This show's awesome. This show's great. I can't find anything wrong with it. I can't nitpick anything. Nope. Other than Charity's voice, but that's it. But that's she plays the perfect. She plays mouse. perfect mouse. Yep. So, and when was this released? Um, 39 through 1950. 1940. This one's from 1949. So I used to watch a lot of old shows, like black and white, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a movie called Merrily We Live with um, the gal that played Glinda the Good Witch in Wizard of Oz. And she's the ditzy mom. And the chauffeur comes into this house. They hire this new chauffeur. They just pick him up off the side of the street because the mom's like, oh, you need a job? Okay. Well, he's like a rich aristocrat but he's like yeah sure why not i'll come with you (laughs) you know and it had a lot of humor to it this doesn't doesn't but the whole somebody dies and they're trying to figure out who it is and they're covering it up and everything else but they're trying to keep it all in the family and this show makes me think more and more about that movie Mm -hmm. and the movie actually had a lot more humor to it they actually named their dogs get off the rug and you too so whenever they yelled at the dogs get off the rug you too Nice. So, you know, stupid little crap like that. But picturing it, I'm picturing that movie with these characters. Okay. And it's just, it puts it in so much more perspective in my mind and uh, of such a clear visual of how the layout of the house is and where uh, everybody's stationed at and kind of what it looks like. And I love how it never leaves those characters, mm-hmm. even with the police showing up. There, you never hear the police. It's just referenced that they talk to the police. This show is absolutely amazing. And I'm very happy that Nick had us do this. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad really, you guys like it. It's really fun. Because it's, it's, you see some reviews online and they're like, oh, this, this is not as good as everybody says. I'm like, no, you are really wrong. <laughs> you, you are so the hipsters. No, this is the only one I've listened to. I've tried to listen to a couple of other episodes and, the sound quality was not mm-hmm. great on it. I'm like, okay, I can't do this. Um, so I'm going to listen to some later episodes. And it had stars in it. Mm-hmm. You know, people that you wouldn't think you know, weren't stars when they did this, but just like Bill Murray with the Human Torch, you know. Tony Randall. But now, 
they, yeah, they're Tony names. Randall, huge. Yeah. And it just, wow. It, I love it. And I think what I liked about this the most is the fact that I don't know anything about the characters. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four was hard for me to get into because I've seen them develop. Their from, lore is so much that. Yeah. Yeah. I know where they're at now, and to hear the characters of when they first came out, we were very critical on that. But, you know, we under- we all understood why, I think. Yeah. Where with this, it's new characters, you don't know who they are, and so you're kind of getting your own idea of them. Bury Your Dead Arizona is almost all complete. The Million Dollar Curse is complete, and Temple of Vampires, that is complete. Nice. So. <clears throat> I, w- awesome. I hope they find more of these and clean them up because this this needs to be exposed to the world again. It does, and it was really popular. They made like five movies, too. Really? Mm-hmm. The so, voice actors playing the characters? I don't think so. I'll have to research that. Yeah, we'll we'll look at it next week. That'd talk be, about that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So can I find the uh, Shadow? It's like Zoot Radio? You can find them on Zoot. All right, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, I mean, I want to do the shadow too. No, no, I'm, I'm just so excited about this. No, I wanna, I wanna. What I'm saying is, I like listening to them so much. You want to go and explore. Other I want to go explore more of the old time radio back in the archives. I want to just explore it. Yeah, and find which ones I like and which ones I don't mm-hmm. like, and that's all I'm saying. No, I'm absolutely all in for doing the next next ones after this one because they go so fast too. It does yeah. so. Uh, yeah, um, I can't wait till next week when we start getting more into the mystery. Yeah, boy. And it gets weirder. Awesome. <laughs> so. All right, so we're going to call it. So um, it's been Nick. Kurt. Ryan. See you guys next week. See and ya. if you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate it. Anywhere you can find podcasts gets our name out there. People will start recognizing our show. And if you want shows early, I'm releasing them on Sunday on Patreon. It's a good deal, so go ahead and check it out. All right. See you. Bye.